21 Media presents The BBL Show With your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker Welcome to episode two of the BBO show with Jay, Marriott and Drew Lasker. We are bringing you all things British Basketball League related. Drew, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really good. How is the preseason training going? Is it being kind to the body? I mean, that's an understatement, man. 16 years in, you know, you got to take it one second at a time. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, and get that rest in while you can. Um, yes, sir. Let's let's follow a chronological order from where we left off, and let's start with Friday night with your Newcastle Eagles versus the Sheffield Sharks. You were due to host a test game for the league. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but credit to the Eagles for pivoting and enabling us as the fans to be able to watch a streaming live. You were behind the scenes. You were on the court. Give us some thoughts. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to Paul, Sam Blake, Dan Black, and everyone else behind the scenes of the Newcastle Eagles organization because, you know, we kind of got that announcement really abruptly and, you know, they pivoted very quickly and was able to obviously, number one, get that game on a stream and then number two, allow it to move forward. So if I can kind of describe the game, like it was, it was really strange, like, Temperature checks on arrivals from both teams, masks on the bench, which was very weird. And then uh, we had two rows of benches, like one row, which is your normal, you know, on the court. And then the second row was like in the stands. So, you know, that was really weird. And then on top of that, the you know, we all know basketball is all about the razzmatazz, the atmosphere. And during warmups, there's no music. And last but not least, there's no fans. And, you know, during warmups, like when the fans are coming in, you hear that buzz and then you smell that popcorn. It was none of that. So um, it was a real eerie feeling. But I must say, when the ball was tossed up, it became business as usual. And I will say that if we have to proceed forward without fans, bench engagement is going to be critical. And a huge shout out to Darius Defoe because he was that catalyst for us. I mean, he he was... He was giving it the big one on the bench. He was mocking. He was cheering. He was coaching. He was doing all that was necessary to make sure that our bench was engaged the whole time, which made a huge difference. And, you know, by the end, you, you know, you just forget the circumstances that you're in and it's business as usual. Yeah. I mean, Darius has always brought the energy. There's no doubts about that. So it it doesn't surprise me that you mentioned him as a a guy that gets things going. No music would have been a tough one for me. You know, I think no fans, but there have been preseason games in the past that I've played behind closed doors. So that's not necessarily too new, but no music. I would have maybe tried to get you guys a little bit pumped up, but um, it's an adjustment period and it's something long-term that we might have to deal with. We're awaiting the league to kind of give us some more information on that. So we're not going to go down that road for a second. I think from a fan's perspective, so I got to watch a game. I paid my five pounds. So I think, first of all, there was a, a little bit of, you know, thorniness between the fans about the five pounds. But I kind of jumped on the Twitter and said, you know, at the moment we are at a time where we just need to support, you know, not just our hometown teams. Mine's Plymouth, you know, but we need to support the league and we need to get behind some of these great owners of the club. So, you know, I was happy to donate my five pounds. I appreciate for some people, five pounds may be expensive. So yeah. um, if you're in that echelon, then it's not aimed at yourselves. But if you can afford and get behind and get pushing. I'll put a, a few notes here. I just said I'm not reading too much into this game because obviously the, both teams are just knocking the rust off right now. But my kind of three takeaways from it was, first of all, I put this in Twitter as well. I didn't realize how thirsty I was just to see a game. So even without fans, I just loved seeing it. I've enjoyed the NBA bubble, but I love BBL basketball. And you start getting that excitement of the new players and you you just want to see how everybody's gelling. I just wanted to see a game. I was thirsty. I was thirsty. You guys look good. I think Cortez with Fletch. Oh, boy. You can see he can get in the lane too. Maxwell and Gordon look a complimentary front court. 
So that's exciting to see. And then great experience with yourself, Darius, Lewis, Eddie, you know, all those kind of guys. And also even nice to see those young guys getting that little bit of court time and getting that experience, you know, getting to knock off the nerves a little bit and be able to play against that top competition. That was great to see. Absolutely. And then my third takeaway really was just Sheffield, I think, have got a little bit of work to do just with two of their Americans. I think Nichols and, and Lillard, I think Lillard started to get going a little bit in the second half, but I think mm-hmm. that Nichols had a re- just a real tough time adjusting to the refereeing and the game itself. You know, please believe me, if you're a rookie coming into this league, you have to allow people to time. Yes. They would have been in a college system a little bit protected. They come into these leagues, especially against experienced players. You know, Darius Defoe is, um, you know, he's probably licking his lips in pre-season when you get those rookies in there. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think they got a little bit of work to do. But um, they'll be fine, as always. Coach Lyons does a great job. And, again, they've got some really good BBL experience there. So, just great to watch a game. Yeah, like you said, it's going to be – you know, there's so many factors that you have to adapt to when you're coming in as a rookie. First of all, you're dealing with a different culture. You're dealing with a different style of play. You're dealing with a different way that it's refereed. Shot clock is so many factors, and it and there is an adjustment period. So I wouldn't judge those guys off that preseason game. No, for sure. Like you said, knocking the rust off. But I think if I had to pick away at anything, it was probably just those two guys just looked a little bit off the pace. Um, I think if you look at everybody else, they're probably not going to miss a beat. They've played with each other. You know, we're, we're talking about guys like Tuck and McKnight, you know, Lewis. These are guys that can get things done. But, you know, just nice to see a game. And then when we're talking about a game, let's move on to Tuesday. So Ooh. we saw Coach Vince on the pod last week leading his London Lions into European battle against Neptunus of Lithuania. It was live on BBC Sport, which was great to see. A little bit of a last-minute addition, but so glad that they were supporting us. The winner advanced into a Champions League final qualifier, and the loser moving into the Euro Cup. So, sadly, the Lions came up agonizingly short. Drew, what's your thoughts? Man, uh, first of all, if you tuned in to episode one, Vince pretty much executed everything that he said on our podcast in that game. I think the only thing that he didn't account for, because remember he said that they pretty much had the game scripted. I bet you in those scripted notes, it wasn't a point where they said that Bristol would pick up two fouls. They will kind of throw off their rotations from the forward standpoint. But man, if I can describe this game, you know, I just left there kind of, I left the game kind of empty. You know, like, you know, when you're out in a club with your boys, and, you know, the vibe is just getting right. You know, the DJ is just starting to play your hits. And then all of a sudden he comes on the microphone and he says, last call. And it's the <laughs> last dance. Then you know the night is about to finish. That's how I felt about that game. Like, I wanted more. I wanted to see London on Thursday night. And I just left empty. You know, the game was right there on the table for him. If we kind of dissect the game. If Neptunus is on that game, they probably are up double figures early. They got a lot of open threes that they just missed. They missed a lot of free throws. They missed some dummy layups as well. But, you know, that's part of the game. And London just hung around. And the game was there on the table for them to take. And when I reflect on the whole game, for me personally, it comes down to one aspect of the game. And it was the defense and, you know, for me, you know, there was a lot of times where guys were just out of positioning, which could be due down to conditioning this early season and lack of fundamentals from a defensive standpoint. But then most importantly, the team defense, the scramble defense, the help to helper, you know, that first rotation was there, but that second rotation was never really there. And it came back to haunt them, especially late in the game. For me, the turning point was 538 remaining. London are up five with the ball. They throw the ball to Mullins in the corner. He knocks it down. They go up seven. They go up eight. Maybe the game's over with, but Mullins dropped the ball out of bounds. And those threes that they were missing early, all of a sudden they start to go down. All of a sudden it goes down. They get that momentum. And then, you know, you leave the game in the referee's hand at the end, which you never want the referee to decide the game. But for me, you know, it came down to NBA and Ed Lucas on those last ball screen switches that I felt like 
the point guard was just stringing them out. So there was no real need to kind of switch it. Mm -hmm. uh, they just could have, Ed Lucas just kind of probably just slipped underneath it. We play it straight up and we see what happens. But for me, I think, you know, we know that Matthew Bryant signed late and I saw a little bit of lack of conditioning there from the defensive end. And so, you know, I know London wished they probably had that game back, but overall they represented us well and they proved that they can play at that level. Yeah, I think um, obviously just some of those things are going to come with time, which is why, you know, I, I asked Coach on the pod last week, you know, whether this was just going to kind of be one of those games where they're trying to feel things out. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like you already alluded to, I think credit to Coach Vince for playing exactly as promised. And I will say this, that yes, Neptunus were missing shots. Of course, they were in shots that they're probably expected to make, and they have been making over a nine-year stretch in that league. You know, huge experience. Yes, they've lost a few guys from their team. No foreigners this year in their team. But, you know, they still have great experience. But I will credit the Lions to really throwing them out of their rhythm. So they yes. may have had great shots, but I don't think that they were shots that they were predicated to take they were shots that they were used to taking in their sets mm. i think from my perspective i've got to have a little bit of fun first of all i've got to have a little bit of fun before i dive into the numbers so firstly this this is tongue-in-cheek and i'm sure coach can laugh with me with this but i have to do it vince's suit that thing <laughs> was straight out of the 80s vault and the only way he gets away with it is if the story is that he bought that in his hemel days and hung it up until he was going to bring it out for his European debut. In that case, we should turn it into a movie, and it should be called Vintage Soup and come into a cinema near you. Coach, <laughs> you're sponsored by Nike. You are sponsored by Nike. Utilize the gear, because I've got to say, that gear did look real fresh. I just saw the T-shirts when they were lining up, and I was yes. like, yes. Mm -hmm. I saw the jerseys. I said, yes. So, Coach, please, you're sponsored by Nike. That's what I'm going to say there. Yeah. One stat that jumped out to me, you're absolutely right defensively, I think. And if you look at NBA, came in pretty late, so did Brown. And I think they were just a little bit off with the schemes. I thought what was great for us was that having the commentary. Daniel Routledge, always amazing. But um, Nigel Lloyd really gave us that behind the scenes. So he's been with that Lions team and he was able to tell you when he saw somebody missing an assignment or when he knew that that wasn't necessarily the scheme. So that kind of gave things away and I was able to take some good notes. You know, at the end of the day, you were asking a lot to stay in a game when you shoot 57.9% from the free throw line. Mm. Um, there was something a little bit off for both those teams. So I don't know if that was, you know, lack of fans this game came a little bit early for both of them, but they were, you know, right across the field, they were pretty off, but 57.9% from the free throw line, you're going to have problems. And then 20 turnovers also to add in there. Ouch. Um, it, you know, that, that does put you on the back foot. And I think that, like you said, there was a few pivotal moments where I, I genuinely believed I was really, you know, I was getting up for it. I could tell by the end of the game, you know, the, some of the thoughts that you were sharing, you were right there with me. And yes, of course, people can be, you know, miffed with that final call. And, you know, why didn't they necessarily look at it? Because they were quite friendly with that TV screen. They weren't afraid to spend yeah. a minute or two over there. I was just kind of a little bit surprised. But the rules are on that, just for our listeners, is that they can only review the call if it's a call made. So mm -hmm. since there was no call made on that final play, they were unable to go back to the replay booth and review it. Yeah, just kind of the only thing that I can think of is the angle of the referee. He just thought that maybe NBA was looking for it a little bit. But, um, you know, we've seen all the angles, so we can say what we want to say. I think they are going to struggle to stretch European teams out. So... I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination they don't have guys that can't stick threes, but they don't have specialists that can just straight up get you some buckets and, and give you some lanes. I think that Vince has looked at that really, really carefully, and I think he sacrificed maybe a little bit of shooting for his style. He wants yeah. that athletic, fast that pace. Athleticism. So I think that's fair enough. I think I looked down the stats. You talked about Bristol. He looked really comfortable at that level. 
You know, so six points, three or four from the field, four rebounds, all offensive. Got himself two assists. I thought that was real nice. I thought Justin Robinson looked at home. Yeah, he looked great. Um, 13 points, one rebound. The only thing I circled was one assist. So he's definitely got to kind of pick that up and lead his team. I think in the BBL, he can be aggressive and he can set the tone. But I think in those European games, he's going to have to really get the guys into the rhythm and then allow himself to come into the games. Mullins, 10 and 8. We spoke about NBA, 16 points, 9 rebounds. I think with him, given a little bit of time and also to shake off the roles he's had before. This is a different Mm -hmm. team. So he's used to South America. He's played at the Royals. You know, you get to dribble a little bit, maybe go behind the back a little bit. Maybe a little bit more flash is what they want to see with his athleticism. And I think when you're in Europe, you just need to be precise. You know, everything has to be clean. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Where we got 8.6 rebounds, four assists, three steals. I think that's a pretty solid debut. Captain Joe, got to shout him out. I was so, honestly, so, so pleased for him. Came in, got... Got seven points, three or four from the field in 10 minutes. Did exactly what his coach needed him to do. I think there's a trust factor there. And he's a very, very intelligent basketball player. I think if we've all spent a little bit of time with him, he's a smart guy and he's figuring out a way to get minutes on his team. Derek, I think, is going to come good also. 5.6 rebounds, three assists, big three-point shot towards the end. Yes, that's um, it. Just looked like the pace of the game was a little bit fast for him. So he's going to adjust to that. Three guys I felt were missing. You know, Liggins, it looked like he had a hand injury. But I only really picked that up halfway through the game. Early on, it just looked like, you know, he, he was trying to take on too much. Brown just looked a little bit lost. I know Nigel Lloyd mentioned um, the, the fact that some of the things that he's really good at, they weren't actually able to execute for him. Mm-hmm. So... With a little bit of time and they know him, he does look like a great player. And then we mentioned Ed Lucas, and I think that, um, you know, again, it's going to be an adjustment period for him. He looked, he looked a little bit frustrated and allowed things to perhaps the occasion to get on him a little bit. Yeah. Neptunus, you know, again, they didn't shoot great. They shot 28% from three-point range. Uh, they had 19 turnovers themselves. They won the rebound battle by two. I'm put down three of their stars were uh, Giga, 15 points, 14 rebounds. Um, I thought he really kind of bailed them out a little bit with his activity in and around the paint. Janavicious, 7.5 rebounds, 8 assists. The lefty looked really good. And Slavinskis, 15 points, 8 rebounds. And bottom line, at the end of the day, I think what saw him over the line was just that little bit of European experience. At the experience end. always the, wins in this game. The Lions' athleticism definitely threw him out of rhythm. Vince was was right. He's onto something, I think. But just that little bit of experience. They'll learn from it. Absolutely. Lions now head into Euro Cup action in January with group opponents in the Ukraine, Switzerland, and Poland. I will not butcher any of those names by mentioning them. Oh. I still think what a great experience that's going to be come January time. They still have Europe to be in so it wasn't such a, a devastating blow and I think that they can take some real positives with this moving forward side note before we kind of move past this and get on to our guest I've already mentioned commentary team was fantastic Daniel Routledge is the king of commentary and PBO legends Nigel Lloyd both legends that's right brought some insider knowledge that I loved but one thing Nigel kind of didn't like at the start of the game that the Neptunus coach had mentioned that um, in the UK we play an American style. And I found that really strange because in my opinion, we have played an American style since the Budweiser League days and we're about to go back to four Americans. So that's only going to feed that style even more. I just wanted to pick up on your thoughts because um, I believe we did. Yeah, I I agree with that statement. Um, I've always felt like this was more of an American league. It's an up and down league, open league, fast paced league. So yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. Yeah. And um, that's not to take away the fact that we're saying that the coaches don't know their X's and O's. I think we just play a faster pace. And there's only a few teams in recent years that I think genuinely focus on those defensive schemes. When I'm talking about a European style, just to clear up, is they will very often run that clock to 20 seconds 
support more. You know, they are looking to really grind that down. And I don't necessarily feel like we see that in the BBL. So, yeah, just interesting. I thought Nigel was right in that era. And that's how he kind of played. <laughs> and so interesting stuff. Let's focus on our guest for today. So uh, BBL legend Andrew Thompson, that over a week ago made the decision to retire. Mm -hmm. Drew, what are your thoughts as a teammate? Well, when I think of Andrew Thompson, the one word that comes to my mind is winner. On the court and off the court, you know, off the court, he's a, a great husband. He's a great friend. He's just a lad. Just always want to be part of the team. And then on the court, I mean, it speaks for itself. 20 championships. I believe I saw a stat where he averages two trophies a year. He's won every place that he's been. He's done two clean sweeps. He's won the treble twice with uh, Leicester and with Everton. And so he's one of those guys that's, you know, especially with the position that he plays, he plays the four. So he's a guard's dream because he stretches the floor because the bigs have to respect this three-point shot. And so for the guard, he, he creates a cavity in the lane. So he's great to play for. He's so unselfish. And, you know, he's a product of how the game should be played. Sometimes I feel like we kind of get too much into stats. And, you know, stats never tell the true story. And we all know, the true hoopers know that this game is about can you win? Can your style, can your game contribute to winning? And Andy Thompson does that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from coaching against Andrew, two things stood out to me. So you stole one of them, winner, absolutely. And I think that um, that's just, you cannot coach that. He's just had an aura everywhere he's gone. But also I just put intelligent. Yes. He is so smart and he will figure out in those games what he's got to do to contribute to the team. So it's not about Andrew Thompson. It's about what do my guys need? And I love that. He can mix it up. Does, does he need to go out and stretch the floor and be able to shoot the three? Great. Does he need to be able to get in the post? Great. Does he need to step away and just be a threat to give someone like yourself a step to be able to get to the rim? He will do it. Does he have to do the dirty work on the screens and the defensive end? He will do it. So he's just a guy, I think, that he has that aura and he's lent himself to being a winner and yes. what better way to kind of send him out than getting him on the bbl show without further ado a 14-year professional career with a whopping 20 bbl trophies let's welcome former england international and bbl legend andrew thompson <laughs> andy thanks for joining us here on the show Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, obviously, it's, it's huge that the BBL have kind of signed up to this podcast, and uh, it's exciting the way it can go. Uh, speaking to Drew, the ideas that you guys have got and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's just really exciting. So thanks for having me on. No problems. We've got to send you out on your shield, that's for sure. Yes, um, sir. We so often use the word legend. I think we're all kind of guilty of saying that, but I think that anybody who's looked at your career will understand that. And I think... I just want to get some early feelings on retirement, you know, so um, saying those words, incredibly difficult, but obviously now you've seen the immense reaction on social media and I'm sure DMs and calls, it was overwhelming for me and I'm not the guy retiring to see <laughs> how everybody's appreciated your career. Yeah, no, um, it was a crazy, crazy time, very emotional time, kind of thinking back. And discussing it with my wife, Nick, you know, it wasn't like a rash decision. It was, it was something that was, I'd been playing on my mind for a while and then going back and forwards and then actually kind of actually saying that, yeah, I'm, I'm retiring. Kind of, yeah, it is upsetting, but then also it's exciting as well because, mm -hmm. you know, there's it's something else that I've got to kind of jump into and, and you know, forge my, my next avenue and whatever I'm doing. So uh, exciting on that side, but obviously... You you always want to play basketball, and um, I'll I'll never lose that. But you know it's time to kind of step away and, and move into different things. So yeah, you you kind of touched on it a little bit about that internal tug of war that all of us athletes go through once we reach that point. But 
because I know for you, probably, you know, some days you'll wake up, you'll say, yeah, it's time. And you go back and forth. When did you know, okay, this is it. This is the final decision. I'm done. Well, it's been a year. It's been a year process. So last year was probably going to be my last. And then COVID hit. And then I was like, I can't finish like this. And I was kept myself in shape at the beginning of COVID. But then I was just like, well, I don't know how long this is going to last for. And I was like, right, I'm going to take a couple of months off. And then a couple of months turned into three. And talks, you know, that basketball's going to be starting again. And I was like, right, okay. Start trying to get back in shape again. And then I was just like, it came to the point where I was like, can I really be, can I be bothered to do this? Like, the time that I put in and, and you know, the social stuff that I miss and family and events and stuff like that. And, and obviously been setting up a business and I was like, you know, there's an opportunity here that we could actually just cut ties and, and go down that avenue. And then the further it got into the later in the summer, I was just like, you know what, it's, it's probably the right time. And Nick asked me several times was, you know, is it really what you want to do? Uh, to kind of check me just to, to make sure I was, I was ready to do it. And and I was humming and hiring, and then once I did say, yeah, that's it, I had a smile on my face, but, you know, inside I was, I was pretty, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to say, it's like, I'm done. And then I was sitting on it for a week, because I was trying to get some stuff in place, and then um, when I finally told the club, I told Kevin Routledge, because uh, I speak, I spoke to him the week before, I bumped into him at the arena, I'd gone in just to get some stuff out of my locker and uh, we had like an hour long chat and I'd already decided I was going to retire but I didn't say anything to him I was like it's not the right time and then I kind of waited and then called him and yeah he was a bit shocked but he he was he thanked me for my services and that we had a good chat and yeah that was that was when it really hit home but you know it was um, was a good moment so I'll uh, look back fondly on it. You know, obviously you talk about the power of the spoken word. I think, you know, once you start kind of speaking that out, you know that, um, you know, it's it's probably time to move forward. But mm-hmm. how has it been since, you know, so obviously, you know, you're seeing more and more, it's starting to gather pace, if you like, for player announcements. Yeah. You know, the London Lions just played in Europe on Tuesday. Was that difficult or have you just found that inner peach and just been like, actually, now I'm starting to see this, I, I know it's the right thing to do? To be honest, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> right? Because so last week I've been doing some work. I've been helping Jamal, actually, because he works for a uh, student letting company. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they're doing a, a renovation of this big property. And he called me in to do some work for him because I do some handyman stuff. So I'd been working with him. And um, he said, can you come in on Saturday and work? And I was like... Uh, yeah, I've got nothing else to do. Like, I can, I can choose to do that. I knew he had a game in the afternoon. He had a walk, he had a, a scrimmage. And I was just like, you know, I can choose whatever I want to do now. I've given up weekends for 14 years. Like, I can choose whatever You're free. I want to do. I'm free, you know what I mean? So it's just unfortunate I'm kind of locked down still. So, you know, I'm, I'm free, but I'm not free. But, yeah. yeah, so I'm enjoying it at the moment. Because obviously, you know, Drew, you're going through this at the moment with COVID. You don't know what's going on with the league and stuff like that. And that's like a, a pressure that I didn't want, the uncertainty and stuff like that. Obviously, you've got, you know, you've got family and stuff like that, and it, it's going to play on your mind. And it was just one mm-hmm. thing I could just kind of step away and kind of not maybe, deal with maybe, that. Maybe meant to be, you know, maybe meant to be the, the, the mm-hmm. timing just the stars aligned. But I know one yeah. thing is that, um, the, you know, the, the fans are definitely going to be missing you. And I think Drew's going to drop us into uh, some questions coming our way. Yeah, speaking of the fans, um, I was glad to see that reception that you've got all across social media, man. You deserve Mm -hmm. it. You had a great career. You're a great guy. I'm glad I got an opportunity to play with you and, you know, be able to call you a friend and our relationship is going to go well beyond the game. So uh, thank you. But uh, (laughs) we're moving into our fan mailbag segment where yep. uh, you fans, we want to be able to get you guys engaged with the show. So make sure you use the hashtag, the BBL show for future shows. But our first question comes from Dave Forrester, who just announced two weeks ago that he was actually retiring, ironically, from yep. the assistant coach role. And his question to you, Tomo, is <laughs> what is the best goal of your career? So the goal that he's referring to is my first year in Newcastle, 
we did a cross-town sporting competition. So it was Newcastle Eagles against Newcastle United Football Club. Mm-hmm. So we went down there, we played them, I think it was five on five on outdoor court. They put an outdoor court on for us. So we smacked them in the basketball, obviously. And then, obviously, we had to play against them 11 aside for you. <laughs> uh, and then I ripped a 25 yard in the top corner. Where would he? Did you take the shirt off and rush it off? Had the beer belly out. Was it on the head? Uh, yeah, proper. Uh, it was a Gaza uh, moment. It was a Gaza moment. <laughs> oh, it was, it was mega. You know, scoring against me because I support Newcastle. So it was, it was huge for me. Uh, but yeah, absolutely class. And I think they've got a picture of it. I've got a picture somewhere. Love it. Top corner, keeping up nowhere near it. So yeah. Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna task the backroom staff with trying to hunt that down and make sure that that kind of makes it into the edits. Yeah. We move on to Neil, the Newcastle fan. So he said you've been on some successful teams mm-hmm. and won a few trophies, but what was it like to be coached by Fab Planoy at Newcastle, and mm-hmm. how does that differ from Rob's approach at Leicester? And if Neil doesn't mind, I'm gonna add a little bit in there. Let's not forget. Coach Barbaletto, also, you know, you've had three very different coaches, but I would say arguably very, very similar in their drive. Yeah. Talk to us about them a little bit. Uh, Yeah, it's it's tough to, they're all similar because the attention to detail is all there, their energy, the passion for the game is there, and then it's just the little nuances that they have each. Tony kind kind of got me on my, on my, the right footpath on on how to play team basketball and how to conduct myself uh, as a professional. And then obviously I had great pros around me at the time that I could kind of just watch and see how they did things. So obviously I had Drew Sullivan at the time and, and Nate Rankin. So um, so I could take stuff from them and then then move into to Newcastle. Fab, it was his attention to detail but it was all about us. It was never about the other teams. We do scout before, don't get me wrong. Like we knew the other teams, but everything was about us and what we did. So it was how the little things on the defensive end and then the little the reads and stuff like that. And sometimes you'd be in video and it'll be you would have watched three minutes of video the first quarter and it's taken an hour. That's how like in depth yeah. that he was. And it's just yeah. like but you know, it was a reason why why he did it and why he was successful because he wanted perfection out of us and to see he could see the reads were there even though we couldn't and you know sometimes you had to disagree and like well at the, at the time I thought I made the right read and nine times out of ten it kind of paid off but he always wanted the perfection he always wanted the that read that he saw so were, were you were you smart enough to were you smart enough to escape the hairdryer or were you no, everyone's, everyone's got it. Everyone's <laughs> going to have it at one point. Like no, nobody, have, nobody can hide. No, no one can hide. Like you'd finish practice and then you'd hear your name and you'd be like, "Oh, you've got to go into the into the office, the office, into the hallway." Yeah. And then there's Dave Forrester and Ian McLeod out there, and like, and then it's you know it's an in depth just how practice went, not even how the game went. It was just like what you did wrong in practice. So luckily, yeah, I wasn't hair dried that much. But yeah, but his attention to detail just on what we did, and he's like, everyone's going to play to the way we want to play, mm. and and that's how you know he was. So and then and then Rob, his attention to detail on the opposition. So he's very detailed on how other teams play and how we're going to combat that, um, rather than fab the other way around. So yeah, all passionate, all animated on the side, and just just great coaches. To I'm just fortunate that. I, Played for them and, and they wanted me on their team. Yeah, charismatic yeah. in their own, all in their own yeah. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think yeah. you know Rob. Rob is perhaps a little bit more charming than it than kind of Fab can be with it, and yeah. um, we know how good Tony has been over a sustained period of time. So, I find that really yeah. interesting to to hear about those coaches. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, the, and the easiest question that I got that's not in a fan uh, mailbag is who is the best out of the three. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would do. <laughs> no, you don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't I'm not gonna do. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do you like that. Man. All, all three of those, all three of those guys are great. But uh, moving on to Sam Fitzpatrick, he asked, "Who is the toughest player you have ever had to guard?" 
See, that was the thing. So I've, I've managed to play in Europe. So that's been, I thought that's a different level from the BBL. So the, the toughest guy, Jack Cooley, played for Sasari. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, played at Notre Dame, played with, with Scott. And absolute, yeah, this absolute unit. Like, trying to hit him, guy wasn't going anywhere. Like, I'm not <laughs> the biggest guy, and he's just an absolute house. So he just go through me every single time. But yeah, he was the toughest guy I've had to guard. But. What about BBL? BBL going against like old heads now. So you, Charles Smith, man. Like, when I was at Mersey, when I was going, oh, he used to kill me. So yeah, you know, Charles. Yeah, I'd say Chuck definitely. So. Love it, Tom Bonnet. He asked, "I'd love to know which away venue Andy enjoyed playing in the most. Which arena created the best atmosphere?" Right. So best away venue would be Sports Central. It is class in there, and obviously I got mm. to play there myself. So when you always went there, you always knew there was going to be a big game, it was going to be a big crowd, because just the expectation of the teams, you know, the team that I was on and, and playing against Newcastle, it was always it was always rocking in there. But then where I've been elsewhere, the pavilions is an absolute nightmare to play Absolutely. in. Absolutely. It's, it's rocking in there, yeah. you know. And then old Northgate. So you couldn't hear yourself <laughs> thinking there. Like it was cold. Yellow lights. Or it's orange in there, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. complete orange. Yeah. <laughs> rock hard floors, and it's just not a nice place to be. You got mm. red hot, like a sauna. Your locker room's a sauna, and then you come into a cold gym, <laughs> and then and then it just it's just absolutely loud in there. Everything's just reverberating, and it's just crazy. So old school, old school tactics there, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I think yeah. going back to Newcastle as well. The the hardest part is when you're on that away bench. Is the banter is so good. It's so good. You can't take offence to it. You know, you're no, like literally Jamie like... Douglas just chirping in your ear. Like, oh, <laughs> his favourite guy when I was coaching was, was when Gareth Murray came down to play us. And I knew he didn't oh, like man. him. But then yeah, actually yeah. to be coaching and seeing, it, it was like he had prepared a full stand-up yeah. just for Gareth. And I have to apologise to Gareth that I did laugh a time or two. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was great banter. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, Jay, you still have nightmares uh, thinking about that Newcastle banter. <laughs> well, just that one game, you know, so that yeah. Gareth Murray game, I, I remember going in and just pro probably breaking everything in the changing room and just leaving because I couldn't have given a team talk at the end of that game. But... <laughs> Yeah. Well, Tosan of the Baller's Voice asks, what is the last flavor of juice you have had? I don't know if this is an inside thing or... No, no I've not got a clue. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I'll make my own juices in the morning, but I don't know. So what, what does he want to know? Just the regular what you buy from the supermarket? I guess your favorite, the juice that you make. He's sounding a bit hippie right here. I want to know about the, the juices you make. Oh, camera's just gone. He got um, a big, he's getting a bit excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, so I've got a Nutribullet, so I just like to blend anything and everything. So I'm on pineapple, carrot, and beetroot at the moment. So that's my go-to. So it's a bit, a bit random. You just got to, you know, the first bit doesn't taste too great, but you just get it down. It's good for you. So Thompson's good. recipes come into a store yeah. near you. Thank you for your questions to those guys that we picked out. And remember, you can see that we are going to be using those questions, so please interact with us as much as possible. Let's kind of get things back on track here with playing in Europe with Leicester Riders. You've alluded to that a little bit, but just talk to us about that experience as a whole. You know, so obviously, great excitement and pride to be able to be representing the UK, but also then, you know, the real difficulties you had in coming back from Europe and the injuries and trying to get that season back on track. I just kind of want to get some of your thoughts. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because it was a great it was a great experience and you can like that was one one of the things that I had on my list when I was playing. Um, I, I always wanted to play in a European competition and I managed to do it with a UK team, which was you know it was huge. Sadly, obviously, we didn't win any games, but we were, you know, we were very close to yeah, came close. Few of them, and we should have actually, we should have taken the last two home games. Um, you know, we put ourselves in a very good situation, and and we kind of let that slip, which which is kind of regrettable. But the whole experience was absolutely amazing. Obviously, um, you know, jealous that London are going to go through it now as well because it's just 
just what you do, you, you don't really practice that much early on. It's just you're just playing, and mm. you can't you can't put that much much time in on the court because you need to rest for these games and stuff like that. And you're on the road, and you don't even know where you are half the time. It's just like mm. you, you get home, you, you might have one night sleep in your own bed, and then you're on the road again midweek and out into the middle of Europe somewhere. So absolutely amazing experience, and and the European crowds are something something else. It's like a football crowd over there. So. That kind of thing was, you know, it's eye-opening. But it's something to to aim for, for the league to aim for and get more teams over there and, and um, I'm sure we'll do well. I know London, I know London will do very well in, in Euro Cup this year. Um, just unlucky. They put themselves in a good situation mm. uh, to kind of get the get the game. But obviously, the ref didn't make the call and, and you know, they let that one slip. That's yeah. the game of basketball, isn't yeah. it? But... They definitely threw Neptunus out of their rhythm, and I thought that was mm-hmm. really great. And if you, you know, yeah. kind of listen to episode one, that's exactly what Vince said he was going to do. You know, he was yeah. like, "We're going to play London Lions basketball. I want to fly the flag for what I believe in." And yeah. um, you know, that, that was kind of great to see. And I think I think they'll do well in in the Euro Cup. It'll be a great experience. Yeah. The thing, the style of BBL is is not what European teams are used to. So when we have come up against them in pre-season games and stuff like that, you know, we, we just run them off the floor. They're not used to that. They don't have the, the personnel to kind of run with us. And I think our only downfall is we didn't have a deep enough squad. So, you know, we had yeah. guys getting injured left, right and centre and we were dropping and, and then obviously you've got to pick up those games, the regular league games back home in the BBL. So that kind of took its toll on us. But they've got a squad, you know, yeah. 16 guys, you know what I mean? They've got two teams that are capable in the BBL. So they'll, they'll be fine in that sense and, yeah. and they've got it, enough to... It, to, it, look, to it, looks, it looks like they've learned from you guys when it comes to depth about the yeah. importance of having that big squad because like you say, mm-hmm. the travel schedule and yeah. uh, not only are you dealing with fatigue, but you have a more chance of getting injured, obviously, yeah. with you guys' experience. So mm-hmm. um, it looked like they got that part covered. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, we kind of set the path and, and give them the blueprint on, on how to do it. Obviously, you know, their budget's a little bit different to ours, but was back then, and, and that's great for them, and that'll give them even a better chance of um, succeeding. So I'm sure they'll get through the group stages and get to the next round, which is which is exciting. So um, yeah. good to see. Yeah, Vince is, is definitely walking around with that Miami credit card, that's for sure. Man. So that, that team looks great. Hey, um, what about you all? Vince, 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 give me a loan, man. I need a loan. <laughs> that's it what do you what do you need me to do what's the towel boy making this time no, of the exactly. year that's the question you've got to ask <laughs> but arguably an, an even prouder moment for you is Commonwealth Games 2018 yeah. uh, incredibly proud moment for both yourself and Drew mm-hmm. so I thought this would be an opportunity for both of you to kind of chime in here and, and talk to us about that experience just super proud to be selected um, I was uh, 50-50 if I was going to be selected because at the time I was injured and I was going through stuff and and I managed to get you know do enough in the early in the early trials and stuff like that to get noticed and and you know Andreas kind of gave me the nod and I was just super super happy to get that call and then it's just it's it's a sweet really because yeah. I got injured straight away and it's just one of those things that I, I managed to kit up and I managed to play and but then yeah the old calf you know, I didn't didn't really like the uh, the load, so um, so that was my. I was just on a jolly then for two weeks, kind of supporting <laughs> the guys, and so it, it was it's a great moment for me. But it's 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 a sad time for me as well because I really want to, you know, I really want to play in that and, and contribute and stuff like that. And I felt I, I couldn't really do that. So, um, but yeah, it was it was it was great to be able to go out there again and play with Drew and just be around, you know, the team and stuff like that. But yeah, it was uh, bittersweet really. Yeah. I think the experience is something that we'll remember forever. Obviously the basketball side, you know, we did underachieve and I got hurt in, mm-hmm. in, in the preseason. And so, you know, I missed a lot of that time, but the off the court stuff is what I'll remember forever. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to describe what it's like being in a cafeteria with you know, people from all over the world, like everyone is literally in one place. The fascinating thing is, it's like from a fan perspective, you guys see, you know, these different sports on TV and then it ends using netball for an example. You know, they win that huge game against Australia and then that's it. But we get to see the other side. So when 
England won that huge game against Australia. We lived on the same mm-hmm. floor with them. So I was actually in the elevator with like eight of those girls going up to our rooms and just like seeing how proud they were, how excited they were and seeing those raw emotions behind the scenes was a really cool experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was, especially in England camp and stuff like that with all the, the athletics, um, athletes and stuff like that. I'm just seeing them. Obviously we always see them on, on the TV when we're watching the Olympics and stuff like that. And, but to see them sat on the table next to you eating your TV and stuff like that, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, just, know what I mean? Like, I'm it's just a real feeling, I bet. Stockport, like, and <laughs> I'm just still like world-class athletes. Like, I'm definitely not an athlete, but hey, you know what I mean? Well, I'm here, so, uh, so yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, that was just an amazing, amazing moment. And um, I always kind of look fond on it, but obviously with that bitterness of the injury, but hey, it is what it is. You know, I think for all of us, there's always going to be those little moments in your career. And I think that, like Drew just alluded to, the most important thing is that you took in every part of that experience. And there's roads we can go down and we can talk about results and different things like that. But I really genuinely think when it comes to the Commonwealth Games, that that's not the important thing. It's important to when we're looking back on Andrew Thompson's career, I think it's just mm-hmm. looking at that, you know, that as a proud moment and, and just yeah. a an incredible experience to be able to be a part of. Um, so, yeah, th- thanks for sharing that, both of you. Quick game, okay? Yeah. I want to go into one word, one word that describes the following players. I'll kick it off. Darius Defoe. Beast. Taylor King. Crazy. <laughs> That's a great word. That, that just popped in my head. Pretty yeah, accurate. I love that dude. I love Pretty that accurate. Dude. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Bernardini. Nightmare. <laughs> Charles Smith. <sighs> the Prince. Drew Sullivan. Winner. James Jones. James Jones. He's another crazy one, but um, <laughs> one word. I can't give him one word. He's one word. Gambler. Split personality. Um, oh, God, I can't give you one for James. It's tough. Good James. Friend, uh, just a friend. Yeah, I don't know. James, we're sorry. He doesn't mean yeah. it. Uh, he loves you, man. For two years, he killed me. Like, you know, I couldn't talk to him before 12 o'clock. He's just not a morning person. And I am. So, uh, yeah. But he, he played down here for a little bit, so I know exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. And just, yeah. he's, a, he's an incredible guy. But yeah, yeah, like like you said, just just it's the yeah. roller coaster of James Jones. I love it. Um, yeah. Even Ali. Fun, fun guy, fun. Yeah, we got to throw we got Drew Lasker. Come on, Drew Lasker. Ah, professional. I like my, it. I like my it. My man, my man. Okay, so you know, arguably the most important thing for you right now is yeah. life after basketball. Yeah. So it's something that I've had to face for, uh, you know, four-ish years now. I've kind of moved past coaching. Tell us what waits for you after the court. So after the court, I've started my own business. I had two businesses. I've got a handyman business, which I was working with a a close sponsor of ours. Um, I've been doing stuff for them. And then I'd set up a therapy business, alternative therapy business, over my career, obviously, I've had injuries and stuff like that and discovered this new therapy called Core Therapy and it worked for me. And over the last four years, I decided to get myself trained up and, and qualified in that. So I've been doing that in the summer and then um, I've just been treating people on the side. So I started up my own business called Soul Bear Therapies and just been working my way through that. But then with COVID hitting and you know, the uncertainty of being able to work and stuff like that. I reached out to one of our sponsors, a construction company, and they offered me a job as a um, setting up engineer. So I'm going to be starting that job in in the beginning of October. But then I'm going to treat people on the side as well, um, mm-hmm. just because I've put so much time into it. Um, that it's, you know, be a waste just to kind of walk away from it. But that is a passion of mine. I, I love helping people especially people who have little niggles and, and ailments that need, that need sorting out. I just like to see improvement in people and, and if I can help them, I will. So uh, that's something that I'll, I'll keep doing. And Tomo is very serious about that. I remember once 
he sent me a basketball yoga video that was probably from the 1960s. The guy's wearing some it old, it school, <laughs> some old school Reebok pumps, but I still have that video somewhere. Yeah, it works, man. Yeah, yeah, but shout out to Solvet Therapies. This is a website that anyone can go visit if they yeah, want to. Yeah, just uh, solvettherapies.co.uk, and then it'll explain everything on there about my treatments and stuff like that. I am mobile, but I'm not mobile to anywhere in the country. So if you're in my vicinity, then yeah, just give me a shout. I'll um, come give you a treatment. So yeah, go support that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely love it, and we, and we really appreciate you know just being able to take that time. You know, like I said, I I think. This was just one of those opportunities where we could give one of the genuine legends of the league and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a great guy and a great character of the league uh, the send-off it deserved. It doesn't end there with us, though, so just hold on for a second because I want to know if Drew himself is ready for preseason predictions. Oh, man. Sorry to interrupt, guys, but that is the end of part one. We will be bringing you two parts this week to the pod. Fantastic to catch up with BBL legend Andrew Thompson. Spending a few years coaching against him was never a great experience, but this was fantastic to pull the curtain back and get to know not just the basketball player, but the person that is Andrew Thompson. I think you will all agree with me that he is a fantastic guy both on and off the court, and we wish him well with his future endeavours. Part two, we are delighted to keep hold of Andrew as we all three of us put our reputations on the line for the pre-season predictions. We are going to be talking teams and placings. We will give you our reasons, and we are hoping that this is going to cause one big stir on social media for you, the listeners and the fans, to really get stuck into be nice to us, but also give us your predictions. Remember, you can interact with us at all times using the hashtag the BBO show on all official BBO socials. That's it for myself and Drew Latka. We will be signing out. Thanks for listening to the BBO show. The BBO show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.